Welcome to the official Rugby World Cup podcast brought to you by Asahi Superdry, the official beer of the Rugby World Cup. I'm Gethin Jones, I'm your host, and every week I promise you some great guests, some of which um, sometimes touch my knee under the table to make me feel better. <laughs> Thank you, Danny Cipriano. It wasn't me. Who's had a really quiet week in the press uh, this week, uh, has Danny. Also, we've got uh, former ex-All Blacks <laughs> captain and World Cup winner Sean Fitzpatrick and ex-international, Irish international Stephen Ferris. Good to see you, lads. Good Thanks, guys. I enjoyed that. It was very... Yeah, I was just trying to keep you on task. That's right. Take four. We got there in the end. <laughs> uh, Sean, when it comes to World Cups, I mean, we've got to start with you, haven't we? Uh, like 1987, the first World Cup. A long time Cup. ago. Isn't it, Jess? Uh, it must be weird looking back all that, that time as to where we yeah, are I think, now. Well, I think in 87, we didn't really know what we were doing. You know, we had our final trial on the Saturday prior to the opening game. Oh, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> the team was named that night. In Mongaray, we assembled on the Wednesday, and our coach didn't make it to the training because he got stuck on his farm, got snowed in, so he didn't make training. And then we played at Eden Park in front of 13,500 people against Italy. So unreal. Just bizarre. So we we didn't really know what we were doing. We wanted to be the first team to win the World Cup. That was our sort of goal, win six games, win the World Cup. And we did that. And we were back at work on the building site on Monday morning. <laughs> that's, that's, hard, it's, that's hard to get your head around, isn't it? Is it in where, terms of your... where now it is, it's the, you're judged on your World Cups now, I think, as players in the cycle every four years. And, you know, I was lucky to play in three World Cups. And every, every World Cup got better and better. And now as a fan, I just absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in Paris last week for the opening game. I think it was the best. Best opening night I've been involved in. Would have been nice if we'd won, but we didn't. Mm. But the French just do such a great job. I think 07. Were you playing in 07? No, I did a long training camp for it. Stevie, you were. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 07 was the most amazing World Cup. Uh, the French know how to turn it They do it well. Yeah, yeah, they do it well. They certainly do. Uh, the World Cup maybe everyone talks about where you're concerned is actually 1995, isn't it? It's the, it's the World Cup that changed the sport in... Map really the the Nelson Mandela game the the, the Fansworth PNR game is it weird that you still talk about that I think you've said it's the one that's got away haven't you that's what you've uh, yeah I think it's I think as. when you get to those sort of situations where you have an opportunity uh, to win a World Cup yeah we we missed an opportunity there and that sort of sort of sits in the back of my mind a bit even now sort of all those years on such heavy favourites coming into it you were beating yeah, we everyone were, and everything think, you know we it was the best World Cup I'd played in without question. Yeah, it was the first time the, the, the Africans had played. And I just think playing in South Africa is the best place to play rugby. They're, they're really educated in terms of their, their knowledge of the game. Great stadiums. And uh, we had a great tournament. We were rated number five in the world in 94, 95. Mm. And, you know, it was a, the Lomu, you know, what he did in five games basically changed the face of rugby. And we just unfortunately came up short. But yeah, I think, you know, I think the Mandela factor was huge, you know, to what he, what he did in that final, in that final week, really, because everyone loved us. Uh, you know, we, we were the team that most South Africans supported. And it wasn't until Mandela said one team, one country that they all turned on us, <laughs> literally. And that last week, my God, 
That was so intense. John Aloma, that was his little cup. You would have grown up watching him, yeah. I'm sure. On the PlayStation, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, he was. He's bigger than everyone else. Double tap. R101. Run around. Pino was good as well. He had a big handoff on that game as well, didn't he? But Loma was the man. He was something special, wasn't he? Like Sean said, he changed the face of rugby, didn't he? He was the first person that everyone really took note of. You know, obviously, you know, there's been legends that have played the game for a long time. But just the fact he could transcend the sport in the way he did was amazing. And it's probably a shame we've not had more people, you know, yeah. have that profile built up and, and, and let that happen. You know, we've had so many gifted players, you know, especially in our country that, you know, could have done that with your Johnny Wilkinsons and your Martin Johnsons. But I just, I don't think they like to really big them up and show them what they really are. It just kind of goes under the wayside, which, mm. you know, is, is beautiful with the humility of it. But. It just means the sport, you know, probably hasn't grown as much as it could. Mm. You want your superstars, don't you, for the next generation? I think we need, we need superstars. Sure you have I agree to, yeah. with Danny. That's, that's one thing we haven't got. Because we're very much in this players collective. Everyone's together and we don't want superstars. Yeah. Mm. Well, we need superstars. When you look at Jonah, in the space of five games, he became a global superstar. Mm. And he is arguably the only global superstar we've ever had in our sport. Yeah. And I don't think we'll have another global wow, superstar really? like him. But even even from an Irish perspective, like it was Bran O'Driscoll that took Irish rugby to the next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you need somebody to, to carry that baton on. Yeah. And who carries it on? It's Johnny Sexton, carries that on for the next five years. But who's going to carry it on for the next five yeah. years? And I think you need a couple of superstars in every team. Um, and Irish rugby, obviously, over the last decade has come on so much. But, yeah, even Welsh rugby, you know, you can, you can look say, why'd you always bring it back to Ireland? Steve? You're so biased. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's something that we do need more of. And I suppose like long gone the days of, of us when we were able to go yeah. out and have a few beers and social media wasn't as, as big a thing. And mm. you know, people weren't taking videos of you yeah. out celebrating wins and that type yeah, of thing. Yeah. So, you know, it's I, not I would, such a bad thing though to get eyes on the sport, even though sometimes yeah. it might not seem to be the best thing. But you, you need a coach that allows your team to create superstars. So you've got Andy Farrell and, and Sean Edward and Gautier. They create a framework where the players on the field can become superstars because within it, there's constant decisions, there's high pressure moments, there's a uh, moments that stand out and create a superstar moment, a Dupont, a Sexton, what is that, what is that Matt trust? Yeah. Well, I think with Ireland and, and France, you see that, uh, you've got coaches there that really, create decision makers on the field, allow them to express themselves, put the trust in them to go and take that game forward. You know, you, you create the framework so they can do so. And other coaches, you know, previously within England have been slightly more regimented in what they do. So then players play to the coach's message as opposed to creating those moments that you go, wow, that was amazing because he did something that was within him, not mm. following a message. Um, so I think you see that with Ireland, as you mentioned, and, and, and France and the mm. home nations. I think, it's, I think it's also the leadership group within the team. Yeah, you know, the best teams I was involved in was when I had a good relationship with the coach, but then I had really good people around me. Yeah. We, so we could challenge. For sure. Challenge, challenge, challenge. When you look at Ireland now and the French team, two best teams in the world, I think, and the, and South Africa too, they've got some real leaders throughout the team. And you actually don't hear much about the coaches. Yeah. Do you? No. You know, Andy Farrell's a big, a big presence. Yeah, but you don't really hear much. I about mean, Erasmus him. gets in the press every now and then. Yeah, but he's he, even he's stepped away now. <laughs> yeah, so, that's true. You know? He's a deflector. Yeah, like yeah. everything that he's been doing, he's been drawing the attention on himself instead of the players. Instead, of, like Manny Lavox missing kicks, but everybody's talking about the traffic light system. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. up and up above. Yeah. Like he's just he's very good at deflecting. But you talk about superstars. It was actually Khaleesi who who stepped in there. Yeah, in the press yeah. conference. Yeah, yeah. And what yeah, did you make yeah. of all of that? And that's, and also leadership. Just, that's, that's leadership, leadership yeah. there. That's leadership yeah. there, man. That, that's 
that's a different level of leadership. You know, that's his life experience coming to the forefront in a moment where he's faced so many different adversities, but he's like, come on, let's have some perspective in this moment right mm. now. And I think, you know, with Razi and, and with these top coaches, they allow the systems and the framework for the group to go take it forward. South Africa's leadership group, like they're extremely challenging. They're all individuals and they're all allowed to be themselves. And I think you see that within the best teams, but everyone has a common goal, a common vision of coming together. You know, you, you said about being challenging. That's the most important part yeah. of sports teams but we don't have that in our country or in England anyway unfortunately but it's, it's going to change over time with with Wiggy and so on coming involved in the in the England setup Wigglesworth Richard yeah, yeah, yeah Richard Wigglesworth yeah. England's yeah. kicking game feels like it's challenging no, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, listen, it's I feel like this is going to be a rant but we'll get no, we'll no, go We'll Come definitely on. get on. You chill out mate. That <laughs> <laughs> chill out yeah it's about having superstars um, of the game that make a difference uh, we started the podcast talking about 1995 Sean mm. just wondering did they ever get to the bottom of the food poisoning food in the hotel the night before the game that wasn't the night I know it you've let Thursday. it go but it was the Thursday the Thursday before yeah Thursday lunch different hotel same hotel. food same hotel oh same hotel yeah yeah. yeah. we'd been eating in the main restaurant and then we said right let's lock up shop let's go into our team room that was probably the worst decision we ever made so we all ate in our team room and next morning I think 16 of the 21 that were playing on Saturday couldn't get out of bed. That happened in 2012 as well, when they came oh, really? over to play against England. Right. Like Who, that New week, Zealand? Yeah, New Zealand. Had, Did we lose or won that game? No, they lost that game. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Same Which one should we use this week? <laughs> food poisoning. That's why we're no, no, taking no. conspiracy. We definitely, we definitely had food poisoning. No, no. It was whether, it whether it was on purpose or not. That's yeah. the question. Wow. That's never been answered. What do you feel? I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm a sort of a just get on with it. But you the way they definitely had, well, we definitely had food yeah, no, so poisoning. How, 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 how they, what happened? Whether there was a Susie or not, we knew we got to the bottom of it. Susie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you always say, don't you? That actually, on the day, you had chances to win that game, regardless. It's yeah, yeah, we did. I think on the day, I think yeah. Jeff Wilson was the only one still vomiting on the on the field on the day. Mm. Yeah, nice. Um, but this is the Mandela. The whole Mandela thing had such a such an effect on the, the game. It was just just brilliant. But you've never felt a game like that, like the, no, the crowd the, the intensity. And the, oh, like... the intensity was just my God! When he walked down the tunnel wearing yeah, his that would be so nuts. Green man. jersey, and they all started chanting Madiba, Madiba, Madiba. Just like wow! Yeah, yeah. special. Yeah, it was special. Yeah, mm-hmm. amazing man. Sean Fitzpatrick, you just said uh, top teams in the world: France, Ireland. Then you mentioned South Africa. You were. You're missing someone there, aren't you? Who us at the moment? Yeah. Well, we're not. We're fourth, fifth in the world, I think we are at the moment. So we've got a bit of work to do. So a lot of people aren't talking about us at the moment. So which is unusual. Yeah, we've had a really strange cycle. Uh, normally we sort of play a World Cup and then we have a lot of changes. Players move on, and then we build the team gradually. And by year year three of the cycle, we're sort of in pretty good shape for the fourth year. And then the World Cup. This this has been a totally flipped upside down. You know, 12, 12 months ago, we were in disarray. You know, we'd lost to the Irish at home, lost to Argentina at home. You know, there's a lot of question marks on, on where we were going. And they found a bit of form here in the autumn last year. And they've sort of built on that. And, and until Twickenham, you know, three weeks ago, we were, we were pretty good. Yeah, we were, we were pretty happy yeah. with ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, because of the physicality. The, the big thing that we didn't have, especially these guys that exposed us, was a physical presence. And I think COVID really hurt us. We were playing amongst ourselves and the physical presence went out of our game. And then Ireland came down and gave us a good, good kicking. And, uh, 
we had to change. They brought in Jason Ryan, the Ford coach from the Crusaders, who's done an amazing job. But we got a bit of a bit of a fright. And where are you right now? You, you, you still confident New Zealand can go the whole we way? Need, we need our all our big boys. We need them fit. You know, we need Retallick. We need Frizzell. We need those guys fit. Yeah. And we can't afford to have red cards, yellow cards. Well, I look at 2015. 2015, we probably had the most complete squad where any one of those players could have stepped in and played in that final. We would have won. Where now we need our big boys. You know, France is a big team. Ireland's a big team. You know, South Africa's massive. Mm. And to compete, the physical presence of the game now is, is big, you know, for yeah. 80 minutes. You mentioned 2015 there, Danny. That, that could have been. Your World Cup? I mean, you were in training camp? In a very long training camp. Yeah. I enjoyed it though. It was, it was one of those things that we did a lot of uh, fitness tests and I, I'm not a massive uh, fan of fitness tests. I don't necessarily agree with it. I think as a fitness coach or a coach, you should know how your team's ticking with the, with what you're putting into them. It's another story. It's irrelevant, but. I know. Can we read about yeah. it? Is it in the book or not? Well, there is. There is part of it in the book, and I, I ended up like I realised <laughs> in, the, book? in yeah. the environment. <laughs> yeah, I did. I recognised this environment for me to like put my hand up. I had to be at the front of these fitness tests, so I was yeah. I was doing it, and I was doing everything I had to do, and you know, fell short. But I could rest my head peacefully at night, knowing I did everything possible yeah. to uh, get picked. And if it's not the case, then that's just one man's view. That's, mm. a, that's an interesting one because. Peter O'Mahony in the press conference there after the last game, we're chatting about the squads feeling fit. You know, you're all looking fit, you're all healthy. And he's like, well, we haven't actually really done any fitness in terms That's, of like, uh, get on the line, yeah, not you know, good. fitness testing at the start of preseason, fitness test at the end. Let's see how, you know, how much fitter you are now. It's all rugby specific. So everything's been with a ball in hand. And yeah, Danny just referenced it there. I think Andy must have learned from that fact. When he did 2015, because everything was like gung ho, 100 miles an hour, fitness right. tests. The standard of rugby was so average because everyone was so tired. But I think the learning experience for him was going into Ireland and, and recognizing the more gameplay you have, the more you, you create and understand within this group. So you watch Ireland fall into their play. They, they've got some great players, but they've got the best framework within world rugby where each and every player knows their role. But within that, that doesn't mean you're locked up to doing what you're doing. It means you've got freedom to execute as, as much as you can in that moment, whether you're running a line, making a pass out the back, holding width, whatever it is, everyone's got their understanding. And I think obviously through the fitness in games and, and, and little small sided games where they create lots of decisions, that's when you get rugby sharp because you're mentally always, always alive. You're not fatigued. When you're just running from line to line, there's no brain Still involved in that. You're just it? running. Like, it doesn't make you a better rugby player. You're talking about that passionately now. You write about it passionately in your book as well. And, and, mm. and you move on to the sort of the creativity side of, of things with regards to England. So in, just in terms of this World Cup, uh, are you seeing anything different after the Japan game than he did to Argentina? Are you seeing a team that's developing that can go a long way in this competition? I think like Sean mentioned cycles and England are in a, you know, Steve Ball is taking a team over in a nine month period before a World Cup. They've got seven years of training within them that was often fear based led by Eddie, you know, and, you know, fair play. That's how he wants to lead. But it's a very emotionally charged way of playing. If your back's against the wall, they will pull out performances. But if you play under emotion for seven games straight, at some point you're going to tire out, you're going to die out. You need to have clarity of mind, composure and decision making within your ranks. And right now, Steve Borthwick's main goal is to get wins. So mm. it's not going to be pretty. They're in a World Cup. 
They're finding ways to win against Argentina, who was a tough proposition. Japan, tough proposition, two different types of wins. And at the end of this competition, we're not going to go back. England are a complete rugby team, but they're finding ways to win mm. in a World Cup. Mm. Their 12-month to 24-month plan will look very different mm. to what it is right now. So there has to be a little mm. bit of perspective when it comes to it because it's very different. What is, what is success at the minute in English rugby? Is it to go on and win a Rugby World Cup? I, I don't think it is. Like, I think success at the minute for English rugby is to get back to winning ways, get the crowd back on side, get to a quarter final, and who knows, mm. you know, believe the dream that we yeah, can yeah. go on and get to a final. But And then it's like, one game, isn't it? Yeah, then then, then yeah. it's one game from there. So I don't think, like, success three weeks ago was England to go and win a Rugby World Cup. It was to keep building and building. And at the minute, you can't argue that they, they aren't building. It's just the style of play is so lethargic. And I listening to Lawrence Delaneo last night, it's, it's almost like they're, they're just kicking the ball. It's like when you have no other option, what do you do? You kick the ball. Like the amount of times it was dropped on the toe because like it was almost like give a pass. Oh no, just kick it. Mm. And against the good teams mm. with you're covering the backfield, like there will well, be. But is that, if that wouldn't have been talked about before. That wouldn't have been the tactic for England. You know, well, you go and say yeah, kick I'll the leather it. off it or. I look at England, they're just lacking real confidence. They don't probably don't trust each other in terms of rugby trust I'm talking about. And they just need to start winning. If they can start winning, um, they'll build that confidence mm. and hope, hopefully... So they will they get that now? Yeah, yeah, wins, sure. however, which yeah. way you've... You know, <laughs> yeah, they definitely have the place. I, I think, yeah, yeah. Well, as you say, if they get through to a quarterfinal and then potentially get through to a semi-final, that'll be a massive success yeah. for them. It doesn't yeah. matter how it looks yeah. as no. long as they, they get to it. But there's this thing in English rugby where they're like, oh, you've got to play a certain way to win test rugby. It's actually false. Like you've actually got to, that means they clamp up and tighten up and mean we've got to kick here and kick this percentage. Whereas you look at other teams, no other team talks like that. They, they let their players go and play. And that's the transition that they're in right now. But it's very difficult to go from one way of coaching to another way of coaching, which, you know, he's trying to bring them out of because... Mm. Well, that, that's interesting. I saw quite a few people this week, ex-players, saying that um, England find it easier when the game plan's there for them, i.e. when they lose a player, when they lost Tom Curry in the first mm. few minutes of the game, they had mm -hmm. to play a certain way. When they're given the freedom, there was a bit of uncertainty with, with how they play. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's They're a, all speculating. Yeah, yeah, We've got yeah. no idea. They're better, really. They're better when they go and man down. Like, yeah. so win the World Cup with three red cards. Take a red. Sean Edwards like told me a story about. That'd be a weird tactic, wouldn't it? Sean, Sean, well, it's ironical. Well, Most teams play better with fourteen men. Mm. Yeah, they do. Sean did something for a Great British and Aussie uh, rugby league tour when he was in Australia, and he said that before the game, he felt like the boys weren't really up for it. First kickoff, ball's gone. He's gone. He's running down. He's just taking someone's head off. Took a red straight on, and he's like, "Yeah, but we won game in the end." Like, cause I had to get boys up for it. That's what he said. So, like, <laughs> genuine. Yeah, that's so. Maybe that's the tactic. Maybe we just struggle with his Wigan accent. <laughs> Listen, I do my best impersonation that I possibly can, but there is only one Sean Edwards. There is only one. And Sean we Edwards. love him for it. Uh, Twenty eleven, Stephen Ferris, mm. Rugby World mm. Cup. You beat Australia. In the group stages. Nice Wellington. They had a good time in Wellington, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, tell us more. Oh, yeah, right. What's this story? <laughs> but, well, when we get knocked out of the Rugby World Cup with five days until our flight home. So oh, like, oh did it, right. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? I got to know a few of the lads very well in those five <laughs> days with a number of beers on board. But yeah, it was extremely disappointing considering how well we had played in the tournament. I think beating Australia, we didn't play that well. No. Like, we had this tactic of the choke tackle, which I now absolutely despise. 
but back then it was. I a, thought you were the rap tackle expert. You brought, you know, no, I was the impact tackler. Oh, nice. so, <laughs> putting people back on their backside. That's yeah. what I. That's the only reason I was getting picked. To be honest, red cards left, right, and centre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not a chance. <laughs> but we won that game. Like Kane Healy got man of the match. So that you know the the scrummaging ability. We were felt well, like there were so there. many, so many scrums. Like Curtly, what do you call him? What's his nickname? Kane Healy. Is he Church? The Church, yeah. The Church. Yeah. I think it's DJ Church. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I think he, yeah. But he's now making knives from scratch. He has like this house out his back, and he he's actually making like cooking knives. Generally, oh, so, oh, wow. yeah. Nice. There you go, Church. Um, Interesting. But yeah, it was <laughs> it was a such such a. A game that we didn't perform well in, but afterwards we were obviously very ecstatic. The Australia game now. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the Australian yeah. game. And then we kicked on. Um, obviously we had Russia and Italy. Yeah. And then you got Wales in the quarterfinal and you must be thinking, we'll do them. Of course, we beat them five of the last, previous six times that we oh, played them. Um, on paper, but like the big game players, myself included, we didn't turn up. Like, there's one game, if I could rewind back the clock and play again, it would be that one. I can remember sitting in the, the team hotel, I was always uh, sharing a room with Sean O'Brien. Um, and we were like four or five, five floors up in, in Wellington. And there was loads of Irish fans outside. And they were like, stand up for the Irishmen. And then they would all go quiet, sit down for the Irishmen. Stand up for the Irishmen. Sit down. And like me and Shawnee were just sort of listening to it. And Shawnee turned around to me and goes, we're only three games away from winning the World Cup. And I was like, flipping, oh, yeah. Mad. And he's like, yeah, right, come on, get this one. And I was sort of like, okay. And at the time, didn't really even think about what we were sort of saying. But like, if we were maybe thinking a game or two ahead, yeah, yeah. And yeah. many of the other lads that were in the rooms at the same time, I'm just thinking out loud here, might have been in the same headspace as us. Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't go out to underperform, but maybe we just took it for not took it for granted, but to a degree, to a degree yeah, that yeah. we we were we were going to beat Wales. And like the first two minutes of the game, five minutes of the game, Shane Williams scored in the corner. Then somehow we got ourselves back into yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, Tommy or Earls, he scored in the corner. Um, you don't have to talk through the whole game. But we're going to have I like it. We're, we're, no, I like this. We're here for you. I like this. No, no, this is awesome. Honestly, this is so good. Like, we're here. But we got, but like, I think it was Priestland missed a bucket full of kicks as well. Like, we got battered. Seth Peace got battered. And, and after the game, just to reference what I said beforehand about you know being able to go back and play one game again, you've been in the same situation where a game just passes you by mm. and you can't even really remember anything mm. out of the game. Mm. That's what it was like. It's so hard to win a World Cup yeah, on well, so many levels. Just listening when to you that hear bit. that, though, it was like a, that was the World Cup that you know it was probably the one that quite a few teams could have won that mm, World yeah. Cup. Yeah, you yeah. know we were lucky to win that. Yeah, you know. But that quarterfinal stage, I suppose that's where leadership comes in, where, where coaching comes in. That that confidence to say, right, one game at a time. We hear it all the time, don't we? One game at a time. But is that really the case? Yeah, yeah. You've got to definitely. Yeah, you know, we look at the you look at us in seven. We lost to lost to the French yeah. in Wales. Yeah, we were already focusing on apparently. We're already focusing on the semi-final. They rested a couple of players. Doug Howlett didn't play that game. Yeah, resting them for the for the semi-final. Yeah. Um, was that the grey kit? Was that the grey kit? Yeah, game? yeah, yeah. The grey kit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. never wear that again. No, it was banned after that. I think, well, that was quite it? good on Friday night, and uh, it started France. We won the toss for the changing room, so we got the home changing room, and then the big one was our kit or your kit. And we got the black jersey. Well, it, it, does that generally make a difference? Well, it's a place. French like, of old, it would. Yeah, but the French of today, no, no, no. didn't matter at all. 
They loved it. What's the story this week? Ireland versus South Africa. Who's wearing the green kit? Good question. Will you be the same? You'll It'll toss a coin. coin. Yeah, 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 and also the changer ring. You could yeah. toss a coin to say who's going to win that one as well. Can you? Yeah. Like, what, yeah. what are you it's saying? Big, that's a big game, though. What are you Huge. thinking? You think Ireland going to win it because she's properly biased. Well, well I, it could be a World Cup final also. Yeah, yeah. it could be a World Cup yeah. There's going to be an upset. There has to be like a huge upset. What's an upset Cup. now? France to get beaten in a quarterfinal by South Africa. Uh, Wales losing to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wales getting That's going to be an interesting That'll game. That'll be a great let's game. Do, let's do Ireland to uh, Africa first. Go on. I, I just fancy Ireland. I think the way that they're playing, they have a healthy enough squad. They've got Dan Sheehan to bring back in. Jack Conan might be fit. Bundyaki's playing out of his skin. Malcolm Marks is obviously a huge loss to South yeah. Africa. The bomb squad. They haven't replaced him with a uh, with a hooker. No, fly off, Andre. Because that's what South Africa do these days. <laughs> so that, they're like, they're like eight forwards on the that'll bench. That'll be interesting to see if he actually plays. Who Pollard? Pollard. What, straight in? No, I don't think it will. He's, he's not going no, straight he might in. Be on the bench, yeah. maybe. Make him on the bench. But yeah, I've just a good feeling about Ireland. Beat and South Saxton Africa. records point scorer now. Well, as I tell everybody, the only reason he's still playing now is because I made all his tackles for him the whole way through his career. Under 18s, 19s, 21s. Is that right? Oh, yeah. yeah. The rap tackle? No. No, just the no, channel tackle. No, the channel tackle. Yeah. He, he told you earlier. He he he's, he's, he's a month Sorry. older than me. <laughs> he pulverizes <laughs> people. That's what he does. Johnny Saxon's a month older than me. Would you yeah. believe it? You, you look a lot better than him, mate, I must say. <laughs> I've got shoulders. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen dyes his hair as well. He doesn't have it. Have I had enough of it? What are you saying, Ireland? I think in terms of like technical element, Ireland have it, the way they play, their connectivity as a group. Um, on the field, but I think South Africa have something special within them. Um, just how united they are, how much they have been through together, you know, all of the different stories coming together and, and, and creating, you know, a fairly forceful, um, nation. You know, it's, it's not just the rugby with them. You know, you see Sia, how he's leading. He's talking like a politician and you're uniting, uniting everyone within mm. one nation. Mm. Like, but he's not talking like English politicians. He's talking with truth and love and compassion, which is great to hear. <laughs> so, and then it becomes emotional. Yeah, right? it, it does for sure. It's an emotional and, game. It, it's not emotionally charged with the fact that they're going to be out of control. The emotion is that they want to do it for each other mm. to a, to a degree which isn't felt in other nations as much because, you know, Razi is a great leader in that and he does put a lot of responsibility on the players. I think Ireland, you know, technically, like I said, that it's going to be so interesting. So it's going to be a battle of if Ireland get, you know, ahead or, or early on sort of create the scores that they normally do, it's going to be interesting. But if South Africa start getting a bit of momentum, you know, I'm, I'm going to lean with South Africa in this game. Number one in the world against reigning champions. I mean, it's going to be terrific. Isn't it? I, I think it's going to be one hell of a game. Yeah. They're really, you know, man for man, they're, they're very competitive. And um, what they've both got is world class players. Yeah, there's not many teams in the World Cup. No, and sure. depth. The yeah. same amount so, yeah. of depth. Yeah, both, yeah. Yeah. both, both got big ventures. Yeah. Uh, Dan Shans, I think, is the best hooker in the world at moment, yeah. without, without question. Um, he could play Flav against Pollock, but he's amazing. Both, amazing got, both got good nine tens, uh, big forward pack. So the set, set piece, uh, I just hope they beat each other up. <laughs> they're really taking a lot out that. of each other they're going to do that yeah they are what, then, like last 20 minutes it's a moment of magic or something like that is that the way the game's yeah, going yeah but the one thing with that pool is that they've got some really hard games yeah like like the All Blacks in France now no disrespect to Italy we can sort of focus on our quarter final where we're going to play either South Africa or Ireland and in the meantime they're going to be going at each other for the next three weeks 
Can we talk about Eddie Jones just because I'm slightly obsessed with him? I, ju- I just, he's, it, I played against Eddie in yeah. 1989. Yeah. He was yeah. playing for Ramwick. Hooker. Amazing. Good player? Uh, it was, it was rather small. Chat on him? Edward Chat. Yeah. Yeah. What was the worst thing he gave you? Yeah, was he a good enough. player? Uh, <laughs> he was rather small. Talk about you sitting on the fence of that comment. Yeah, was he a good bloke? We didn't ask what size he was. <laughs> he was a good player. Uh, 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 I like yeah. it though. Sean, I like it. Uh, he's, um, I mean, is it good for the game? You talk about having superstars. I think he's good. I think he's good I mean, for the guy. He's like well, Australia though, saying, so like look, we're going to win the World Cup. You've got to support us. And now he's got to live He's up developing to a team for the, what, the next World Cup, is it? Or the World Cup yeah. after that? He's got, a contract, he's got a contract until 2098. He's always preparing, um, he's always but, preparing um, for the next World Cup. Yeah. That's, that's every but press conference. His job if they, if they don't, if the first time Australia don't get out of the pools in the World Cup, will he still be in that job? Has he been promised that? I don't know. What's the deal? Once again, speculation. Um, so Eddie Jones has been a character. They've got Wales next. Mm. I'm quite excited. Like, I think Gatlin's gone around his business. Mm. Quietly, we're top of the group. Do you share my? He would have coached you, coach Stuart. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah, when I was young. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I really enjoyed him. Um, he, he's obviously come into Wales with a different proposition now to what he had previously. He had a massive job at hand, and he felt like getting them fit was his number one mission right now. And they speak about how brutal their World Cup preparation was, um, and how fit they are now. Mm. So a couple games in with the warm-up games, you, you would think that they're starting to if they've done it correctly, starting to peak and get ready for this Australian game because he would have targeted that. And he, he recognises, you know, Australia, they can be hot, but also they're a slight wounded animal at the minute and you, you can capitalise if 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 they stay on top of them with, with the way Wales play. So it's going to be interesting. I do feel Wales probably going to come out on top with that why, one. Why is he so good? I ask everyone this that I meet. Why is he so good at getting the best out of players? Sometimes not the very best players in the positions, but they seem to play outside of themselves under him. Why? Yeah. He, he knows what he wants. He knows how he wants to play. And he's very direct and clear with that. But he also understands within that individuals that, you know, I, I think back to the team that I had at Wasps and um, everyone was a loose cannon, to be honest. Everyone was an individual, but somehow, you know, he, he found a way to unite everyone and, and put everyone in on the seem, field. He doesn't really, I would, I'd imagine Gats, he would tolerate certain people. And he, yeah, yeah, but sort of brings people together. For sure, really good man manager. Can't imagine he likes you too much after his play career. But <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, really good <laughs> yeah, but bringing people together, yeah, yeah, people brilliant. together gets, you know, yeah, he's brilliant, and people play for him. Like, in, he, and he surrounds himself with good coaches. Good coaches yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like Sean, Sean for a while. Edwards. Mike yeah. Forshaw's a great defense yeah. coach. He's done really well. Yeah. Sale, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a really good defense coach. Um, Kingy understands the game, game management. It might not be scoring tries left, right, and center, but. They're going to have a good hold of the game. And when the time comes for their Louis Rees-Amit and so on to get yeah. into space, they're going to execute. Um, so I, I think they'll, they'll win that, that game against Australia. Um, the island still not like Gatland, is he? Yeah, Stevie, you've been very quiet about yeah. that. Yeah. Not no, he was, he was just before my time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a few of the Leinster lads would. I think, I think when it, when it came to the Lions as well, I obviously had cats with it, with the Lions and, uh, 2009. And we actually got on really, really well. Um, did he pick you? He 2009. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He picked, yeah. picked me for a couple of the games, like, uh, and then I got injured. Uh, so I did, you were magnificent before Thank that you. injury. You know, you, are, you were different level. Uh, I was going well. I was going rightly, but yeah, yeah just a, an incident in training. And I can remember Gats coming up to me, actually sitting on the physio table. And I was like, my tour was over. So it's just like maybe four or five hours after the injury tore me MCL. It's like four to six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. 
Gats come up to me and I was sitting on the physio bed and he just went, you'll learn from this and just walked off. Wow. My management. <laughs> I went, what? Like, what? And, and then I was sort of like, I thought about it and thought about it. And it was like, if I ever got the chance to go on another tour, yeah. you know, I, I might approach training slightly differently if there was a test match the following week. Totally forgot to ask you about whether you've ever been on a pitch where a prop forward has headed the ball forwards to create a try. And Joe Marlin now has an assist. Have you ever done that, Sean? Like, no, never. No, no. no. That was quite something, wasn't it? A point yeah. in it, 56th minute, is a point in it, and that happens. You're thinking, ooh, maybe the gods are on your side? Looked like even Laws. Laws didn't... He was almost going to throw the ball away. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. You go shot yeah. and put it down, put it yeah, down, yeah. just in case. For, yeah. for a, it was bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah, I've not seen that happen before. And Joe says it's a well-rehearsed move that he's been working on. <laughs> so, But yeah, I think uh, it was just kind of... It was a little bit amusing, but it was also great for England to get over the try line. They almost relaxed a little bit after that. They did, yeah. didn't they? They did attack a bit better. So, it, you know, even though it was a fortuitous situation, it actually allowed them to go and finish the game stronger than, mm. than they were in. And those moments, they'll look back on it and be like, you know, it was Joe Marlowe's head that turned it yeah. into a positive. So he'll have a book out. Didn't Earl play well? Hmm? Earl. Yeah, yeah. He's, he does what he does. It's yeah. Ronsil, isn't he? Yeah. He is does, getting does what he says on the slated team. on social media for celebrating right, so. small wins. Yeah. I don't know. After a scrum win or a turnover, he's he going to the camera, get excited. It's, it's, re it's, it's really, it's a real two sides to it on social media. Yeah. Like you're, do you, you don't like that. No, I, I follow Ben Earl. He's an unbelievable Great player. Great like player. quality player. But it sort of started before Ben Earl actually came into the team. Like it used to be Maro. Maro used to be the one that yeah, was. He did. Remember, remember in, uh, in the Lions tour? Yeah, big, yeah, 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 yeah. I told you celebrating those moments. Yeah, yeah, celebrate. And I get it, celebrate the moments, but was there a scrum last night? They that, all that, do it though. They the Japanese yeah. were doing it I think as well. When you, when you, not, not to that extent. When you Come see on. the way that they attack and England have got a lot of individual talented players, but they're knocking the ball on slightly off timing with runs. All that stuff's happening at the moment with their attack, right? If you're emotionally so charged that someone knocks the ball on that, you're like, yeah. Like, when does that ever calm down for you to make a good decision or run a good line or be involved in the game, engage in the present moment? If you're so charged up like that, you don't see your italics, your Sarvias behaving in that way because they're very calm and cool under pressure. I'm not saying there's a right and a wrong. But you need to know your balance within that. If you're going to be like that, you still need to have some composure to you in how you're going to play. It can't all be one speed, otherwise you don't catch the ball. You agree with that? Oh, we never did that in our dad. Yeah, yeah. That was your thing. job. Yeah, yeah, that was your job. What do you think this That's what I meant to do. Yeah. High stakes though, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, man, if he's trying to get the team up, they're trying to find any way to, yeah. to get over the line right now. So... You know, mm. it is what it is. <laughs> got to, I'll go ask you this, Danny. It used to be Ford Farrell, and then Cipriani would be on the scene, and now it is Ford Farrell, and there's Marcus Smith on the scene. Farrell's back now, isn't he? He looked quite good when he came on. Marcus yeah. Smith, just yeah, yeah, he just added back. a bit of energy, and yeah, that's the type of player he is, man. Yeah. He's gonna get on the field and say so somebody he's energized. Like, and what do you think, like somebody like uh, McKenzie, Damon McKenzie? I don't think he's got McKenzie's out and out speed. No, but yeah. I mean, and that sort of impact player off the bench for yeah. sure. Like well, yeah. who can play that, ten or fifteen? Yeah. yeah, that's how they're playing. Kick. Yeah, he, he will definitely bring something off the bench for sure. Yeah. Uh, he's going to try and find some sort of way, depending yeah. on what state the game's in um, well that's yeah. it well he's well, he, you know Farrell you'd imagine will start against Chile 
will he? Because he'll need a game. And, well, then, yeah, and they, then what? Are they so. going to bring him back with Ford playing? I don't know. Well? I think for, George is playing really well. If, if, if he stepped up into that role. They might play them together. You know, they've they've always lent on that quite often. Uh, it will depend, you know, how training goes and what how they What would you been. do, Danny? What would I do? Who would you select? Um, with the World Cup going the way it's going, you'd go with George Ford right now. I think it's a you tough went, question you've just asked. Yeah, oh, but you, you wouldn't... I'm here to ask you the wouldn't tough question, say, Sean. Ask me and I'd say, yeah. pick the best players first. Yeah. And then pick your captain. So they're, they're all talking, you know, he has to play because he's the captain. I don't why. Maybe they're not saying that. You've got to pick your best players. If he plays well against Chile, like comes in off the, how many games he's not played? Three. Three. Yeah. It's if he comes in bounce, and he's it? energized, because sometimes when you have a step back, you come in and mm. you can uplift the team, then that's going to be a different conversation for them to have. So at the end of that game, they're going to have to sit down and, and he might be, he may be the best team. Yeah. George has done well. Huh? Who would you play? I, I, everyone I talk to, I don't don't really know them, but they say he's an unbelievable leader. So, yeah, do you I play a bit of Farrell? Yeah. No, no, I would pick Farrell no. because I don't think he would kick as much as Ford. Simple as that. I don't think he would kick as much. And and you want to see England play? But like Manny Tuilangi, three carries last three night. Three carries. Like, mm. Manny Tuilangi. Mm. That guy can give you game line. Well, he's like a two right. sober, wasn't he? Like man of the match against. Like the even I feel like they're playing him in the wrong position, though. Like Ooh, Manu play at thirteen all, all day. Like yeah. there's no if you get put Manu. Has he got, got the pace there? Uh, we're not looking for outboards with him. <laughs> two fours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for me, if you put him at twelve, he's going to be carrying into bat rowers. Yeah, because they're on the edge of that line out of six mans of, you know, sevens helping out tens. But if you put him one channel out, he's in 12s and 13 channel. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want Manu in your arm, in your no. eyesight. Yeah. So if you're at the line, you know, everyone runs a play where 12 goes at the line 13 short. If 12's at the line and say it is Faz or if it is Oli Lawrence and he's got Manu short, one, at least two defenders are biting on him. Then you create space out the back of him. So that's how you use him in terms of his destructive carrying, but also how you can use him to create space for others like... I think at 12, he just ends up coming, the guy, you just pop to, trudge it over. You don't really get to see him impact the, the game but, as but, he can. But they're not. They, they're Trees, not even, yeah, they're yeah, not even they're doing not even. that. Like, and that's what the frustrating thing is with me. They've got so many mm. good quality players. They do. But they're just not expressing themselves. Like even looking at the front row last night, like eight carries between all three of them. Mm. The last time Ireland played Japan, like the front row carried the ball like 20 times or 22 times between the three. Bringing of them. Ireland into it again. Well, Here we go. Played England for the last hour. So, like, <laughs> yeah, no. I think they're just trying to find ways to keep winning games, man. So, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. Like, we, we can't talk about what it looks like right now. You know, they, they just want to get to the, as far as they can get in the comp. Sure. Uh, we are compiling a Kampai 15 in association with Asahi Super Dry. Kampai. Kampai. It's Japanese for cheers. Hello. Well, I just explained to some of our <laughs> listeners and viewers who may be new to the campaign trip team. Uh, so what we're doing is trying to get you to pick one player that you may have played against with or maybe would have loved to have played with. Uh, someone you'd like to have a beer with. Someone you'd like to have a cheers with after a game that maybe you did, didn't get to play with. And who would that be and why? It's tough on this, isn't it? One player. Who would it, do you want to go first, well, Stephen? As I said to you earlier, yeah. It used to be Stuart Hogg because, excuse me, I always heard a few stories that he liked the beer and he liked to, you know, enjoy himself after matches. And I was like, oh, I'd love to have a beer with him, you know, to see what he's like. And then two weeks ago, I was at a function and, and he was there and we enjoyed a beer together and he was 
exceeded my expectations, let's just say. Um, and it was a good three days, um, up in Scotland. So, yeah, Hoggy was a, a good man to have a beer with. Mm. I'm trying to remember, Hoggy was on the podcast and I can't remember who he, um, chose or come back to me. So Hoggy's your camp, I He was just so entertaining for the couple of days. He's a character world. in the game. Dan, yeah, you mentioned that. It's good. You know, he is one of the characters in the mm. game, isn't he? Shame's sure. not the World Cup, actually. Of course it is. Go on in, Danny. Got- on the fullback theme, I'll go with Curtly Bill. Whenever oh, uh, wow. I've had a couple of drinks with Curtly, it's always been a really funny game. <laughs> 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 We've had a lot of fun. Um, I like Curtly. I, I feel like you can have to elaborate yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'll give us a story. Is Melbourne Storm? Nah, not the Melbourne Storm, the Melbourne Rebels. No, I've known Curtly since we were like 17. We were like, he was like the Australian prodigy and I was the English one. And you just kind of like, you're right, mate, get to know each other. And over the years, yeah. Well, he played at Wasp with me for a bit too. No, there for a, a year or so. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. It's quite moving. No, I, you know, it's a... Uh, Is he still playing or not? Back at the Waratahs. This will be a good one. From, oh, I, from I, Sean I, Fitzpatrick. Wow. Yeah. Who would like, you choose? Well, I quite like beer. Uh, so okay. That, that's, 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 that's a good start. That's a good start. Uh, I quite like the old boys. I used to remember sitting, sitting in, when I was playing under 21s or under 20s and... In those days, the old boys would be the managers. So in our day, it was Brian Lahore, Colin Meads. And I just love sitting around just listening to their old stories. <laughs> and, and even now, like, like being down in Wales last weekend, I, I sat with Gareth Edwards, Sue Gareth. And I, I just love that because it's just, they're such special people. That's and that's awesome. something in our, what we need to make sure we continue. Yeah. Is those sort of people continue. Yeah. You know, the next generation are those sort of people that, you know, the custodians of the game, basically. For sure. And we can't lose that. So. And, the, and the stories that, oh my, that come wonderful, with it. Wonderful. Is there a World Cup story you can maybe finish on and, and share with us that you remember fondly? Like, I know you've talked about the success and the heartbreak in 95. Is there one that sticks out there? Oh, I think, well, you think what we did in 87 compared to what they do today. You know, I love what the French are doing. They're, they're going around playing at different stadiums. They're not staying in Paris. They're going around Lyon, Nice, wherever they're going. Where we did the same in 87, which, which was a bit different. We played Argentina in our last pool game in Wellington at Athletic Park. We won that, going down to Christchurch, Christchurch to play against Scotland in the quarterfinal. So Sunday, hop on the bus to go to the airport to fly. To, and then our coach was Brian Lahore. And he went, no boys, we're going to pop over the rim of Tuckers over the mountain range, into the wire wrapper, and you're going to come to my pub for lunch with a few of the locals. We're like, oh, why not? That'd be great. So we trundle off over the Rumbatuckers down to the, I think it's called the Lakeview Pub. And we arrive at the Lakeview Pub along Gravel Road, and then there's all these utes and outside with dogs barking, you know, sheep in the back of them, bales of hay. And we walk into the pub, it's just full of mums and dads and kids, right? Fantastic. So we were having a few pints and just enjoying ourselves. And then BJ Brian stands up and he goes, uh, okay, boys, right, Fitzpatrick and Lowe, you're with the McKenzie family. Like, what? And the McKenzie family come running over. They're saying, well, hello, Sean. Hello, Richard. You're staying with us tonight? <laughs> so we all got bulleted. Oh, so we wow. all trundled off down the road. And during then, the World Cup. During the World Cup. <laughs> Lowe and I are sleeping in these single beds, you know, like this. It's fantastic. It's incredible. Yeah. Which, Can uh, you imagine? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we made two days, two days with them, different. Yeah, you know, on, the, on their little farms and brilliant. Worked, 
or yeah, yeah, exactly. he's going to win the 2023 World Cup, Stephen Paris. I have to go with Ireland. I know we haven't been... <laughs> oh, surprise! Surprise, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> I know we haven't been beyond the quarterfinal, and that is something, again, like I talked about England, what success to England. I think to a lot of Irish fans... What success would look like would be getting to a semi-final yeah. because yeah, don't you? because of the heartache so much, yeah, the heartache of the last well since forever. But it's just it's just the way that we're playing. Mm. The lads enjoying themselves, mm. really good coaching setup, playing in a particular way. I really expect them to go more to their kicking game against South Africa this weekend. But if they can take care of that game, I I think that'll send a message to the re- everybody else in the competition. Danny, uh, between France and South Africa. I, obviously, I think Ireland agree. Thank you. Yeah. We all agree. Ireland agree. Yeah. yeah. Why do you not think Ireland can win it? I think that when it... Let's just stop being so aggressive. No, I like it. I like it. I think when it comes down to it, I think Ireland do have the best system in shapes. If I'm brutally honest, I don't think they have the best decision makers in the world. I think in those pressure moments when Ireland, when it's the final and it's Africa versus Ireland, those moments won't feel like pressure to a lot of those African boys, whereas it will feel like that to the Irish boys. So it'll be a very different proposition. Uh, but that's just a humble that's analysis. A fair point, yeah. I think whoever wins the quarterfinals in our side of the draw will play in the final. Yeah. So it's either going to be yeah. South Africa, France, New Zealand or Ireland. I think France will play South Africa. And I think France can beat South Africa because they're big enough to, to compete. We'll play Ireland. And the All Blacks will beat Ireland. Purely, so I think we've learnt. I think we've learnt enough. And as long as we've got all our big guys fit and available, um, I don't think Ireland will want to play the All Blacks. So we've talked about Ireland facing South Africa. Who would you rather, as an Irishman, who would you rather face in the quarterfinal? I think everybody, including myself in Ireland, would want to face New Zealand. And the reason being is that it would almost feel like a home game then. I think everybody would get behind Ireland rather than the All Blacks if we're playing in Paris in a quarterfinal. So we'd almost have that home support. Second part of that is because we've such a good record against New Zealand mm-hmm. in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, mentally, it feels like we've got their number as well. Going away to New Zealand, getting that Test Series victory, doing a job on them at home. And it feels like we're like when we played against New Zealand, you had you know, six or seven players that were on the team sheet every single week. Jerome Kano, Richie McCaw, Kieran Reid, Brody Retallick, and then you had Dan Carter, mm-hmm. Mills Mulyaina. You know, you, you, where it just feels like now it's like scattered a bit and mm-hmm. they don't have those seven, eight, nine, ten lads yep. that are consistently performing at a world-class level where I think Ireland sort of do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, New Zealand World Cup quarterfinal. You were there. First game of the World Cup, you were saying when you the atmosphere, France, New Zealand, you wouldn't want to play France in, no, in Paris. No, I, I, I was there for the uh, <laughs> Six Nations Grand Slam. Was yeah. that last year or the year before? Year before. I, I walked away from there thinking, you do not want to play France in a World Cup final here. And then last weekend, exactly the same. And the difference from the years gone by is that the fans believe they can win. Yeah. The Flans have got this unbelievable feeling, and they've got also this whole dancing thing going on, and and so that the fans, but also the players, the players think they can win it. And when they go behind, there's belief that they can still win. Whereas previous French crowds, if they went behind, would just be like turn their nose up and start whistling, like where it's different. And that, that World that Cup, fight, the World Cup opener last week, like the All Blacks played very well on that first 
14, 15 minutes. Mm. Not many teams would have lived with them, but then they just turned it around. Yeah, yeah, for real. The French just turned it around, just trusted their systems, did what they've been doing. Big bench coming off. Yeah, big you know, bench. Made a, made a huge well, that impact. hooker that came on, uh, what's the hooker's name? Mavaka. Mavaka. Just, just unbelievable. They've got a different mindset too. Yeah. Like, they've got a different mindset when it comes to, to winning games of rugby. It's not... It's not French. It's not just, <laughs> oh, it might happen. Like, they have those moments of brilliance. Maybe, you know? Yeah, well, he's, he's a winner. He's a winner. He brings it in that, for sure. Well, we played the French. They were, they were disorganised, didn't believe in their systems, were unfit, or just play, you know... We'll just play as we do. And the reason they used to beat us because they didn't care. Yeah. They just play, well, let's just play rugby, you know? Yeah. Whether they played the English, they'd be all sort of, you know, we can beat these guys. Whether they never thought they could beat us. So they just played this style of rugby that just was winning rugby. Yeah, yeah. But now they are, they've got real belief. And the depth. Yep. To go a long way. Mm-hmm. If we win our quarterfinal, yeah. we'll win it. Okay. There you go. He's put, put his head on the block. <laughs> Sean, thank you so much. Thank you. Danny, Stephen, brilliant thank stuff. You. You've been listening to the official Rugby World Cup podcast brought to you uh, by the official beer of the World Cup, Asai Super Dry. Leave your comments below and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Mm-hmm.